Well, hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today is an old friend, is a guest of mine on the show today, Matthew Frederick. Matthew, how are you doing today? Dave, I'm doing fantastic. Always great to see you. Always great to see you. So, Matt, I'm trying to figure out how long we've known each other for. You were a contributing writer for my newsletter years and years and years ago. So, I, you know, I got a lot more of these gray things on my head than you do on yours, but I'm thinking it's at least 10 years we've known each other. Yeah, you know what? It has to be 10 years, and I'm actually beginning to see little grays popping out. So it's happening. It's contagious. It's happening. <laughs> so if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting or, or hearing Matthew speak, he's a very, very astute real estate entrepreneur based out of Ontario. Are you in Burlington? Is that right? Where are you calling it from? I'm actually in Ancaster. Ancaster. I don't know where Ancaster is. Yeah, Ancaster is attached to Hamilton. Okay, perfect. So Ancaster, Ontario, uh, he's done a lot of different things with real estate investing. You know, when I first got to know Matthew, you were focusing more, I believe, on single family homes. Now you've started to move into bigger and better things and doing development deals and starting to do self-storage type, interesting self-storage type stuff. Plus you've coached and trained lots and lots and lots of people. So you know, without stealing your thunder, it's great to have you on the call, Matthew. And tell you, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in real estate investing in the first place. Well, Dave, thank you for the kind intro. I bought my first house at 19 years old, but not as an investor. I'm an immigrant. I came at seven, and I wanted to own a piece of Canada. So I saved up for four years and bought a house. Now, four years later, four and a half years later, I was a teacher at post-secondary school. My brother was a police officer. He came to me and said, you should start investing in real estate. I'm like, I'm not going to invest in real estate. I'm a teacher. That's my thing. He says, I'm going to give you three reasons why. Number one, I'm your older brother. Number two, I'm a cop and I have a gun. And number three, you can make money with cash flow. You can make money with mortgage pay down and appreciation. So I thought, number two, he's got a gun. I might as well get into investing. So I, I was pulled into it. Yeah. Literally, the gun, gun put to your head. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you start off, you know, with your brother pressuring you to get involved. Hopefully he got quite involved and he's still actively doing it. Is, is that the case? Yeah, he did. You know what? My brother's about 57 years old now and he's retired. So he was a police officer for many years. We started investing together. I mean, he, he's semi-retired because now we're actually building condo buildings down in Central America. But I mean, for me, I, I started with the, the residential and then I moved to commercial that I moved to development, uh, raising money for my projects. And now I'm backing off a bit from building like a four-story condo, condo buildings, 50-unit condos. I'm going more to something easier like self-storage. Three-story, easy to build. Yeah. And well, just out of my curiosity, because I lived for a long time in Mexico and Central America, where are you building your condos? Or oh, Belize. Yeah, South Belize. South Belize. Very, yes. very nice. A little town called Placencia. I know Placencia. Beautiful area. Wonderful. So you've done a lot. You've, you've pretty much done the gamut when it comes to real estate investing. What is it that's turning your crank about the whole self-storage industry and the whole, what do you call the fourth generation of self-storage? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, first generation, I think we all know it's the thin, narrow buildings with the garage doors. Yeah. I mean, it's profitable. It's uh, one, of the, one of the first investments I got into outside of houses. I got into it mistakenly. I used, to draw, I used to bring a coffee to a gentleman who owned a self-storage facility because we stored our cottage things there. I didn't know I was the only person who spoke to him. And when he was dying, he offered me the business. Wow. And I took it. And, you know, 
over all these years has been the most profitable type of real estate because there's no fridge or stove, no washer, no dryer, no kids, no pets. I love kids and pets, but I'm just saying as a real estate investor, you have to concern yourself with, with things like that. Now, the first generation is good. Fourth generation, well, actually, let me take a step back. People see the third generation now. They're like larger buildings, three stories. You see little small doors. That's, you know, a warm storage facility. The fourth what, is... What's the second generation? Oh, so the second generation would be instead of the narrow buildings, so on one acre, you can put five 3,000 square foot, 30 by 100 buildings, but you're only covering about 35% of the land because you have to drive in and out. Right. Second generation is pretty much uh, now you have two larger buildings, but it's internal storage, so warm storage, but there are flat buildings, like one level. So right. third generation would be two or three levels. Now fourth generation is combining something like uh, WeWorks, which is shared office space. So you can rent offices, you can do co-working, you can have you know, a, a cafeteria, you can have a, a place to have coffee, almost like a, it's like a Starbucks meets WeWorks shared office space meets, you know, uh, boardrooms. And at the same time, too, you have a concierge who will accept shipments for you. Because as you know, you know, the price per square foot of retail space, pretty high in some areas. And the internet, eating up lots of business, a 3,000 square foot business may no longer need 3,000 square foot, feet, maybe 1,000 square feet, and then you can store your products close by in a climate-controlled, beautiful self-storage. Now, this also has wine storage. It has you know, your, your walk-in closet storage. So it has a lot of other things, not just a standard old, put your, your, you know, your tools in self-storage. But you can still do that as well. Exactly. You can do both. Interesting. And very, very cool. I've, I've got some clients that do self-storage, but I think they would be primarily focused on probably second generation self-storage, first and second generation. So this, the whole fourth generation sounds very, very interesting. Well, second, second generation and first generation, they make money, but it's really hard to buy those. Nobody wants to sell them. Right. And with land value going from, let's say, half a million dollars an acre to a million an acre or two million an acre, you really have to use more land. So you have to go two or three, three levels up to have 800 units as opposed to, let's say, one level at about 400 units. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Matthew, for sure. So, you know, you've been investing since you were 19. So that's been, you know. That's been a little while. <laughs> so knowing what you know now, if you were to start over again, and please don't tell me I'd start earlier because 19 is pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> what, if anything, would you do differently? Well, probably two things. You know, I invested in, in residential till I was comfortable to go into commercial. And then I invested in commercial till I was comfortable to go into development. But when I got into commercial, I realized it's much more. It's almost like playing at the, let's say, NBA level. And while I was doing my commercial, getting into it, I found my residential super easy. And then when I started building four-story buildings, I found commercial very easy. So I think people should, if you're doing residential, you spend 80% of the time in it, but 20% of the time learning commercial before you need it. Because this way, you're now a grade 10 player who just spent a few months in the NBA, I mean, you're terrible there, when you come back, you're supercharged. So don't wait till you're comfortable and ready to go to the next level. Even if it's not on your radar, you work on it now. Because again, in residential, if you work on commercial, you'll be a heck of a lot better at residential than you are today. All right. Very wise words. 
So Matthew, you've got a lot of different skills and skill sets when it comes to real estate investing. Robert Kiyosaki talks about each one of us having our unfair advantage. What would you consider to be your unfair advantage or your real estate investing superpower? So I, I think my unfair advantage is the ability to spot potential, not just in property, but also in people. And then from spotting that potential, how to approach them, match my personality so you have a good handshake, a mental handshake. And then from there, listen carefully to understand what they need and then see how I can match it up to what I have. I generally solve a person's problem first, non-related to real estate, and then I earn the respect, and I earn a conversation, a future conversation, and then that future conversation could be real estate, could be business. So again, the ability to spot a need, the ability to understand it, the ability to package it and solve it, build that relationship, and then move forward from there. Yeah, really kind of sounds like you're, you're very good at fast-forwarding that whole relationship-building process. It's true. And, you know, young people today playing video games don't really get a chance to build that relationship or communicate that way. So they're going to need some of those skills to survive in this new century that we're in. Yeah, most definitely. So if somebody's saying, well, hey, that sounds like a good skill set to develop, you know, how do you, how do you help your coaching clients or how do, you, how do you help your students or other people to just kind of get better at doing that? What suggestions would you have for people? Well... A lot of people have a lot of interesting little stories in their lives, but they take it for granted. So first you have to sit down and look at the simple things that have happened in your life and draw stories from it. When you can draw a story from those simple things, then you realize that other people have little simple things they take for granted and you can help them package what they take for granted and, and, and move it towards the future. So what, for instance- What would what, be an example of that? Yeah, so for instance, um, when I was young, I was shy of public speaking and I thought, you know, I avoided a lot of, you know, sessions. I avoided as much as I could until grade 12 and then grade 12, I finally had to read a book cover to cover and I had to present. And I thought for a moment, I knew that what the author wanted, the class didn't, got up in front of the class, sat there and instead of thinking about me, 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 how do I look, sound, feel, I cared more for them. And in caring more for them, I didn't have time to be, let's say, afraid or shy or nervous, and my true personality came out. So really, being shy is also being selfish because you're so afraid to allow yourself out that nobody gets to know you. And again, that's a little story that's in my past that I can connect with other people who have the exact same story. And in, in a day, I went from being shy to not being shy. I went from being quiet and unknown to being one of the most popular people in school. And again, I have probably a hundred of those little small stories and we all do within us. We just have to bring them out and see how we can use them to connect with people first and then you can move the relationship further on. And also one thing that stuck out with your suggestion there was, you know, you look, you look at how to serve the other person first, how to help solve a problem that they might be having. What would be, you know, what, what comes to your mind as an example of you having done that Okay, so if I go to an event, like say you go to the investor type of event, everyone's standing at their tables. For me, I'll probably stand by the water or the coffee because everybody needs water or coffee. And if I'm there, I might say to somebody, you know, why are you here today? What are you looking to solve? And they might say, well, I can't solve, uh, I can't set goals. So I might say to them, okay, you know what? I had that same problem too. Do you mind if I share with you for a minute? And I might say, you know, when I was seven, I left Trinidad and Tobago, left the Caribbean, 
house in front of me was massive. But you know what? 17, I went back. So 10 years later, the house in front of me was puny. So what happened there? Well, obviously, when I left, my world was three blocks wide. So that was a big house. When I came back, my world was 3,000 blocks wide. So I'd seen big. And I think people have the same problem with setting goals. How does a seven-year-old you are today set the goal for the 17-year-old you are or, you know, 10 years from now? So really to set goals, what you would do is you would sit down and spend time with people who are doing what you're doing or what you want to do and then have someone coach you through what you want to do and you can set a proper nine-year goal. So that's an example of just meeting somebody and then understanding what their problem is, setting goals, giving them a story about how I solve the problem. And if that solves their need, they remember you out of the thousand people they've seen because I gave them something, give them what they came for, how to set goals. And then perhaps I might have a conversation over coffee because I've earned it. And that conversation may go on to other things. Sort of makes sense? That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So Matthew, you've been, you know, I know you've been coaching and working with people for a long time and there's lots of different real estate coaches and consultants out there. What do you think is the biggest problem that you help people solve when they work with you? Yeah, so a lot of people don't really know who they are. They know who they want to be. And it's a connection of finding out who are you really and who you want to be and how do you bridge the gap. And how do you use whether real estate or business or wellness, and by the way, you need all three, how do you bridge the gap with all three of those? Because a lot of folks define themselves in a sense by saying, I want to make 10000 a month or I want to make 50000 a month. But, I mean, really, Why? What's the main thing that concerns you? Well, you know what? Uh, my wife works an extra job. How many hours a week? So many hours. What does she make? 3,000. 3 times 12 is 36,000. So really, your solution is not 10,000. Your first solution is to replace $3,000 so your wife has the option to work or not work. That will reduce your stress. Now let's move on to the next thing. So it's really helping people to understand what they really need and how to eliminate A, B, and C which takes care of, you know, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very, very cool. So Matthew, as we're wrapping up here for the last couple of minutes, do you have any free or complimentary resources that you can offer people so they can find out a little bit more about you? Yeah. So if they go to my website, it's called NIDUS hub, N-I-D-U-S-H-U-B.com. There's a resource center. There's some free lessons that they can pick up and learn just things to help them move along the path and uh, it's there for them. It's stuff that's taken me 28 years to learn. I can say it in a minute. It didn't take me a minute to learn it though. But if <laughs> you take that and work with it, then you know what? Uh, it's worth visiting the site and then moving forward in life. So you've, you've been doing this business for a long time. What would you suggest as one major actionable thing somebody can do to get unstuck or get going with the real estate investing or take it to the next level? Well, I think, I think you mentioned it, the word action. See, a lot of people go to a lot of courses, they read a lot of books. But if you read, again, 20 books in a year, and I ask you, what did you get from the book? And you say to me, well, I just got good stuff. I mean, for me, I'd rather read you know, one book in January, spend February working on seven things that I got from the book, and then I'll probably spend March making those a behavior all of a sudden, I have seven behaviors that I'm living. I read two more books that year. I have 21 behaviors that I'm living. That's what makes you successful. See, a lot of people out there, you know, they can quote Warren Buffett, 
but I, I call that Buffett's Puffets. I mean, you can quote a hundred Warren Buffett quotes, but are you living any of them? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It comes from actually living it, not much, but action. So it's important, I believe. I think you're very, very right. Well, Matthew, very good having you on the podcast, my friend. Thank you very much for being a guest. Any last words? Yeah. Bottom line is success is wellness, it's business, and it's real estate. So learn your real estate investing, but you have to be able to understand how to run a business. It's very easy to separate a fool from their money. You don't want to do that. And at the same time, too, if you're not well, I have a friend who's 54, he died. A lot of real estate, always busy, but his life isn't there. So you have to balance all three of them. And I think if you do that, you'll really enjoy success. And lastly, make memories. If you don't make memories, the years pass too quickly. Good, good words, sage words of advice, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank Everybody, you. thanks for tuning in this week. And we'll see you next week on the next episode. Take care. Thanks a lot, Matthew. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.